Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, presented by Conserve the Wild, your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation. Now, let's get wild. Welcome back to another episode of Conservation Unfiltered. This is episode number 17, and today uh, I interview Joe Neville, who is the executive director of the Keystone Trails Association. Main reason that we're having him on, uh, other than getting to know about uh, a great conservation organization, but also to discuss the Sunday hunting bill that is currently uh, sitting in the House for the state of Pennsylvania. And we wanted to see why that association opposes the Sunday hunting bill. So strap in, take a listen. Today, we have a second guest talking about the Sunday hunting bill. This, uh, today, we have Joe Neville. He's the executive director of the Keystone Trails Association. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm fine, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, so first, uh, could you just uh, sort of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the position that you are now with the Keystone Trails Association? Sure. I grew up in um, rural Northwest Pennsylvania and uh, have been an outdoors um, person all my life. Um, I tell people I grew up and I had two places to play, the woods or the creek. And uh, that's where we played. And so I've kept that passion for the outdoors and being outside all my life. And many of the jobs I've had have revolved around uh, outdoor activities. I had the opportunity to come to the Keystone Trails Association and jumped at it because I think um, I can share my passion for hiking in the woods with other people and get them involved and have them protect our our trails and our natural places. So could you give us some details and sort of explain what the Keystone Trails Association is? Sure. The Keystone Trails Association was formed in 1956. It's a federation of membership organizations, hiking clubs, if you will, or other uh, groups that are interested in hiking and trails, as well as individuals that um, are um, dedicated to providing, preserving, protecting, and promoting our recreational hiking trails and hiking opportunities here in Pennsylvania. That that sounds awesome. Uh, so, how many how many members do you, does the Keystone Trails Association have? We have two types of members. Um, one is individuals, and so we probably have five or six thousand individual members. But then we have club members, so clubs that join us, and many of those clubs have tens of thousands of people. So whether it's a small club of 100 or 200 people that enjoy hiking, or a statewide group like the Sierra Club of Pennsylvania, which has 40-some thousand people, we do represent a total a couple hundred thousand people. And is this, uh, to become a member of the Keystone Trails Association, is that something that costs money, or uh, is it a, a free membership? 
Um, you can get on our mailing list for free and receive our newsletter, but to become a member and uh, participate in our programs, get discounts on products, those type of things, it's a $15 initial membership for a year to try it out and, and see if you like it. Oh, that's, that's not bad at all. So you already sort of told us the main purpose of the Keystone Trail Association is basically to protect the trails that we already have. Are you, do you also try to get sort of new trails and new trailheads and uh, as far as I'm assuming probably trying to secure access to trails and things like that as well? Access to trails is an issue, especially where uh, private property is involved. Many of our statewide trails cross um, state lands, whether it's state game lands, uh, DCNR state parks or state forests, those type of things. But to answer your question about new trails, we generally um, focus more on maintaining what we've got and improving that because it's a, a long-term uh, issue for us. Uh, they need constant maintenance. Um, where we have uh, worked on new projects over the years, it's been more to either finish a loop trail or to link up trails one with another so that people can, can go from one trail to another. But once you create a new trail, you need a group of volunteers to maintain that over the years. And, and that is a challenge for us. Yeah, and uh, I have a family cabin uh, in Jefferson County, and probably, uh, it's maybe only two miles down the road, actually, is a trail that uh, I've always known to be there. It's uh, called Baker Trail. Um, yep. That anyone up there always knows where that is. And um, I know we've we, there's been times where I've been down there uh, hiking on the trail, and um you know, not that I'm a, I'm not a member of Keystone Trail Association or or any hiking clubs, but um, you know, I, we're we seem pretty similar in uh, enjoying the outdoors. So whenever I'm on the trail, if I see trash or you know, there's a, a, a semi-small tree, something that I can move uh, over the trail, I I typically try to move it and pick up the trash and and things like that. Um, so uh, I can definitely thank you for what you and, and your members are doing. Um, anything to, to keep our wild places, uh, you know, and, and keep it enticing for people to get outside, I think is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. We want to make it as accessible uh, to people as we can while not impacting, you know, those wild areas. When you start putting a lot of people out there, you can have an impact. So we work very hard on, erosion control and leave no trace uh, camping and other activities so we're not impacting the environment but more and more people can enjoy it yeah and i'm sure that uh, erosion control is uh, even more important in the few recent years where we've had an insane amount of rain in our state oh it, it's been a, a challenge for us in uh, the area I live in central Pennsylvania, where we have the Appalachian Trail, that gets a tremendous amount of usage. Um, the mud the last couple years has been very problematic. Um, as it just starts to dry out, then you get more people walking through it, churning it up, and, and it, it is a problem for us. Then you get a heavy rain, and of course it washes away. So it's a, a never-ending battle. 
something that just popped in my head because I know it's something of concern for myself for the amount of time that I spend uh, outside and, and oftentimes in wooded areas. Uh, do you talk with your members and give them information and uh, about ticks and Lyme disease and preventing tick-borne illnesses and things like that? All the time. Yeah, if you look at our Facebook page, we do um, have educational articles that we post there. And at a recent um, meeting we had this spring, we actually brought in experts to do an evening program for all the members that were there, about 100 people, to educate them on what is going on with ticks. We were up in the Poconos, which, as you know, has a, a very high uh, incidence of Lyme disease up there. And so it was uh, very timely. Yeah, it's definitely something uh, that is concerned for me. Uh, my co-host, Talon, uh, who couldn't be on today, but he contracted Lyme disease uh, last fall. Uh, and it was, you know, it, it's serious until you get it diagnosed and, and treated. Um, but we're hearing more and more uh, about a Lone Star tick slowly coming up into Pennsylvania where uh, it, you end up contracting alpha-gal disease where you become basically allergic to red meat. Uh, right. And that's in, in our culture, there's a lot of people that eat red meat. Uh, and typically a lot of outdoors people like to eat red meat. So uh, that's something that I'm very concerned with. And I think people don't realize that um, ticks, yes, they carry Lyme disease, but they also can carry 36 other diseases that um, you know scientists and doctors have identified. So it's not just Lyme. It's a whole host of things that you can contract from a tick bite. Yeah, it's it, it's scary little bug because uh, it's so small uh, that if you really don't take the precautions at the very beginning, uh, then you know it you can miss them. You know, I, I do chick uh, tick checks all the time on myself, but um, they're very hard to spot sometimes, especially uh, for guys like me that that are a little hairy. <laughs> yes. And and our pets, too, get them. And uh, that's very problematic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so the main reason I had you on today, I uh, wanted to know a little bit about Keystone Trails Association, and we'll circle back to that uh, as well. But uh, the main reason was uh, we have a new bill in our state Senate, uh, actually just passed our state, state Senate, uh, Bill number 147. Uh, easily known to most people that that read the newspaper maybe watch the news is basically it's a sunday hunting bill um what is the keystone trails association stance on the sunday hunting bill uh keystone trails association has opposed uh any legislation to expand sunday hunting opportunities in pennsylvania our membership feels very strongly that that's a day that they have where they can do either individual hikes or club activities on Sundays and not have to worry about hunters being in the woods. And they would like to keep it that way. So I'm assuming whether it's the individual clubs or maybe the Keystone Trail Association itself, I'm assuming you've probably done some polling of your members, uh, maybe even just informal polling. Um, if you have, do you, do you happen to have a, a breakdown of percentages? How many hikers are opposed to it versus how many might 
at least be have a neutral position? Uh, I can only report to you um, the results of a survey we did about two and a half, three years ago, where Sunday hunting uh, opposition was the number one issue amongst our, our people. Um, the other um, statistic I have is the last time we had a vote at one of our membership meetings, we had about 60 people participating in that uh, particular session. And of the 60 people present who, who voted and discussed the issue, only two uh, were not opposed to Sunday hunting out of 60. So it's not monolithic, obviously, just like the hunting community is in all four Sunday hunting. Uh, we're not uh, entirely opposed, but it is fairly overwhelming. So I'm assuming the main reason that you have, your association has this opposition uh, is due to perceived safety concerns and things like that. So do you, how often, even if it's just anecdotal that you can give me, how often do hikers and hunters encounter each other uh, in the woods during hunting season? I wouldn't have any statistics on that per se. I think a lot of uh, the perception out there that is opposed to Sunday hunting, it's more of an opinion than a statistic. In other words, you can't put out a statistic right now that shows hikers are being killed at a, a high rate, yet the same people are very afraid to go out uh, when hunting is occurring. They, they just have that fear. And, and whether it can be proven statistically or not, um, you know, it is fairly irrelevant to someone who is afraid. I like to use the example that since I've been executive director at KTA, we've had as many people bitten by rattlesnakes as shot by hunters. Yet you ask virtually anyone when they're out there walking and come upon a rattlesnake, are you afraid? And the answer is yes. So it is a fear amongst our members, and they feel more comfortable having that one day where they can be outside um, without worrying about hunters. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of your members uh, also work, uh, you know, five, maybe six days a week. So uh, that wanting that day without hunters, would, having it a Sunday, that's typically a pretty universal day that most people don't have to work. So is that sort of the, the big thing uh, that they're thinking that, that when you're saying that one day that they don't have to worry about interacting with hunters? I'm not sure if it's a work thing. Of course, most people have off on, on Sundays. But again, it's a, a safety issue, a fear issue that they've got. And they, they enjoy that day for their activities and feel like they would be losing something if that changed. So you mentioned that the some of your trails, uh, you have trails that are on national forest, you have trails, national parks, state parks. Uh, but then you also mentioned that there are trails on state game lands. Um, the state game lands were funded or paid for by the Game Commission and funded by funds that hunters helped to generate, along with other revenue streams as well. Um, but, you know, paid for by a commission that its sole focus is on uh, providing hunting opportunities. Um, 
if this bill was proposed differently with maybe different allocations on where hunters could hunt on a Sunday, would that have made it any easier for your members? Or is it just the idea that, you know, there might be a hunter even a half mile away that's still um, a safety issue? Yeah, I, I don't think that the um, ownership of the land really has that much to do with it. When you're walking on a, a state major trail um, out there, you really don't know, for the most part, who owns the land underneath your feet. You can go from a state forest to a state game lands onto private property and not know that you've made that transition because there, there aren't signs or things like that. So I, I don't think it's very relevant um, as far as the land ownership. It's, we have trails everywhere and um, you know the, our membership wants to enjoy them. SOS Gear. SOS Gear is based in Montana and run by Chelsea, and she makes some great products out of paracord. Right now I'm holding a belt Chelsea made me just a couple weeks ago. This belt is absolutely gorgeous. I went with the black and black camo, but that's not even the best part. My father's been wearing the same style belt for a year, and it looks brand new. Other people I've talked to have worn their belts without any rips or frays for two, three, and even five years. There's a wide range of colors you can pick from, so you can make your own statement. Check out some of her products she's made over at her Instagram, SOSGearMT, or her Twitter, at SOSGearMT. You can order a belt of your own at SOSGearMT.com. That's SOSGearMT.com. As a hunter uh, myself and someone who hikes in the woods as well. Um, this, because hunting is for me is, uh, uh, more of a passion than hiking itself is. So, um, for me personally, this, you know, Sunday hunting bill would enable me to do something I enjoy more often. Um, and the reason why I bring up the ownership of the land is just because hunters, you know, there are woods everywhere. Um, the game in the state is owned by everyone in the state. Um, hunters are, for the most part, allowed access to all the game in the state. However, we as hunters need to be aware of where we are uh, while hunting. Uh, you know, if I go from a state game lands where I'm allowed to hunt, whether it be a Monday or a Saturday, uh, any day that I'm allowed to hunt. If I go from a state game lands and I walk past the border onto private property uh, that I don't have permission from the owner to hunt on, I now become a trespasser. Uh, and this bill does have some very strong trespass language, which I like uh, because uh, I am a property owner. Um, so I guess that's sort of why I was I was asking about you know if they would have maybe excluded uh, state parks or national parks from the Sunday hunting would that, have, uh, that was my allusion to maybe that would help to alleviate some of the issues. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And um, going back to uh, 
Senate Bill 147, I have heard from a, a number of our members that they also enjoy the trespass provisions because like you, they are landowners. So that is a good thing. Um, but as far as the exclusions, I think it's a lot like the whole, well, we'll do a, a three-day Sunday hunting. It's the camel's nose under the tent. What's going to happen is uh, it's, it's three days now, and our fear is, okay, well, then next legislative session, it's 10 days or 20 days, and all of a sudden, you know, you have hunting every Sunday, and a lot of our members will then choose not to hike. So that is a concern of ours. So you mentioned the amount of days uh, in this bill, and it is, it's been amended down from 14 days uh, down to three days. Uh, but this whole bill basically just surrounds big game hunting. Uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, we're not a complete 100% prohibition on Sunday hunting. You are allowed to hunt foxes, coyote, and crows on Sunday. So theoretically, there is already hunting that is going on on Sundays within our state. How how does that change to during big game season? How does that make the hikers feel more uneasy? Well, there is some hunting, but the odds of um, most of our hikers or non-consumptive users running into a coyote hunter are fairly slim, if not none, out there, simply because of the small numbers of people that do those type of predator hunting type thing. So they're really not running into people. But if you say it's for uh, big game season, well, you've got some archery, you've got rifle, then you're talking about a number of weeks where people in their minds are not safe out in the woods. Right now, you can go out uh, on a Sunday during deer season and feel relatively comfortable in the woods because you know there isn't uh, deer season going on on a Sunday. And I think that that would end somewhat, um, you know, if we started opening that up. Uh, obviously, Pennsylvania is one of the last few stronghold states for uh, prohibition on Sunday hunting. Uh, only Massachusetts and Maine uh, are left with such strong prohibition. Uh, so there are obviously a lot of states that allow Sunday hunting. And a lot of those states also have a very strong hiking community. Um, have you been able to discuss with any associations in any of those other states about the impact to Sunday, to hiking that Sunday hunting has had on those others in their states? What we see, um, especially here in the area of um, South Central Pennsylvania, is that Pennsylvania's uh, partial prohibition on Sunday hunting has really helped us in the sense that we get a, a lot of people coming to uh, this area because it's close to hike on Sundays from uh, Maryland, Delaware, uh, Virginia, those type of places. As a matter of fact, a couple of our clubs in um, this area are not from the state of Pennsylvania. They're actually headquartered somewhere else. But a lot of the reason that their members enjoy um, being a member here and working on the trails here and those type of things 
is because of that prohibition on Sunday hunting. And I do have to say that that's another thing that it's not just the hiking piece of it, it's the trail maintenance in some of the game commissions um, regions our club members are not allowed to do trail maintenance any day but Sunday during hunting season. So that really limits our ability to keep trails open. If you open it to Sunday hunting, then the entire fall, there may be portions of the state which our maintenance people cannot access. So if we have a, a windstorm come through and blow trees down, it could be, um, you know, late December, or early January, till people get in there and actually open those trails up again. So there, there would be quite a, a loss of, of access. Uh, that, that's a good point. Uh, I, I guess originally I assumed that most of the maintenance would be planned maintenance, but with storms and heavy rains and, and wind and things like that, it, there would be need for emergency maintenance. Otherwise, you would lose uh portions of trails like as you said to try to cut up trees and, and things like that right and and i think our members are sensitive to that clearly you don't want to be out there running a chainsaw um in the middle of someone's hunt but if you have if you know that on a sunday you can get out there and do some of that work you'll you'll plan your maintenance around that so obviously there are going to be some hikers that aren't they may, they may still be concerned during hunting season to, to go hiking on a Saturday uh, or a Thursday, um, but they're still going to go out. People still hike on days sure. when there are hunters in the woods. So what kind of advice does the association give to those people out hiking during hunting season in order to help them stay safe? One of the things we do is really try and educate people about uh, fluorescent orange because in, in the hunting community, everyone knows to wear orange. If you're a hiker, you don't think about it. You know, you, you wear whatever your shirt color is or your backpack is or your favorite ball cap. And, and so we need to work on educating. And that, that's not just the hiking community. That's everyone in Pennsylvania. That during those times when they're out, whether it's hiking, walking their dog or taking their Girl Scout troop for a little walk in the woods, um, they need to be aware and to to wear orange to be safe. Yeah, I'm a hunter trapper education instructor, and that is definitely something that we harp on big time is wearing fluorescent orange. Uh, while, while you're hunting at any time that, that you're in the woods when there's a hunting season going on. So um, coming from the sort of hunting community side, that seems very second nature to me. Um, but thinking about like maybe my wife uh, who doesn't hunt, didn't grow up in a hunting family, uh, if it wasn't for me, she probably wouldn't know the fluorescent orange part of walking in the woods. That, that makes sense. And I don't think they have the equipment. You know, hunters know to buy camouflage or fluorescent orange or whatever. Hikers don't think that way. So it's a whole new mindset that, look, we need to go out and actually get different clothes or different things to wear uh, to make sure that they are seen. Yeah, my wife would never choose to uh, purchase something that's fluorescent orange in color <laughs> outside of safety concerns. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> Um, so without 
looking sort of into the crystal ball here, um, just because of changing times um, and the way that the bill has been amended to make it through the Senate. And there's probably a, a very good chance it's going to make it through the House as well. Uh, with there's not major pushback from there's not overwhelming pushback from opposition that that might stop it. Uh, and I, I am like you, I, w I would assume that this is sort of a snowball effect. This is a little bit and that it's going to end up um, eventually at some point uh, removing the entire prohibition on Sunday hunting. So what what I want to know is what can you tell hunters? What kind of tips can you give a hunter that we could maybe help alleviate some of the safety concerns that that hikers have when hunting season is in how can if i'm in the woods hunting how can is there anything i can do to maybe f have a hiker feel more safe i i think just um you know personable interactions uh once you humanize those type of things i think it's easier to have a conversation and a relationship rather than keeping it in the theoretical so I, I think if people just respect each other and are polite to each other out there and try and work together, uh, that goes a long, long way on both sides. And uh, we'll have to see what happens with the bill. But um, I, I think if it does uh, pass, we do have a lot of uh, educating to do on both sides so that the public is aware that hunting is going on and, and hunters need to do some outreach uh, to the non-hunting community. If you think about it, the Pennsylvania Game Commission does a great job uh, reaching out to hunters and they have a database which they can use to contact hunters and communicate with them. But they really don't have a, as good of a mechanism to reach the general public. And I think that that's something that needs to be worked on so that everyone's on the same page with what's going on out there. Uh, both the hunting and non-hunting public. And, and that'll go a long, long way to smoothing out some of these tensions. Do you, th this is me thinking off the top of my head, as someone who with this format is trying to reach both hunters, non-hunters, uh, basically just try to get anyone outside and, and the out in the outdoors enjoying nature, do you feel like the association or clubs would be receptive to having uh, hunters come in and have a discussion and talk about concerns that the hikers have and, and try to, like you said, humanize the, the hunter and hiker, both sides of those? Um, I'm not sure that that's the right mechanism. We do have at our major statewide meetings, the Pennsylvania Game Commission come in and, um, do programs for us and answer questions. And I think that goes a long way. Those officers are very knowledgeable, uh, very personable, um, professional. They know what they're talking about. They're excellent, excellent representatives of the commission. And I think that um, that is, is the way to do it. Um, I think within the hiking community, as I said early uh, in passing though, it's not a monolithic group of people. There are many hunters amongst our membership. As a matter of fact, our board of directors is 20% uh, 
people that hunt, which is higher than the general public. Um, so I think hunters are represented, but I think that the best teachers and educators out there, uh, at least to start, would be the Game Commission because of their their knowledge and their professionalism would go a long, long way. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, before we leave, uh, I want to give people out there a way to find the Keystone Trails Association or member clubs. Uh, what way, what can people do to find out uh, who, you know, how they can become involved if they want to become a member of the Keystone Trails Association? Our website is probably the um, best starting place for that. You can just do a simple Google search for Keystone Trails Association, and we'll come up in the, the first page there. Uh, but our website is kta-hike.org. Fairly simple. And uh, we have links to all of our clubs, and you can check on their activities, their memberships, um, what they're doing, their events uh, type of thing. But you can also learn a little bit more about uh, our organization as a group and the things we're involved in and, and what we've accomplished over the years. That's great. I know uh, doing uh, doing a little bit of research on Keystone Trail Association, looking at your website, uh, just to see, have an idea of what the association is about. Uh, it It definitely caused me to realize that personally, I think that um, hunters and hikers deep down have the same philosophy and the same uh, sort of pull uh, in their hearts where they just like to be outdoors and, and they would like to get other people outdoors and they would like to leave the outdoors better than uh, they found it. So I think uh, it's something that it, it's an association I I'm already starting to think about maybe becoming involved in a little bit just as another avenue for myself to uh, give back to the wild spaces that we have. Well, thank you, Jason. Um, I would agree. I think the conservation ethic uh, permeates both groups of people and how you celebrate that ethic uh, and live it uh, comes out in different ways, whether it's through hunting or hiking or mountain biking or trail riding uh, there's lots of ways to get out there and enjoy things and um, hopefully whatever the outcome of this bill is uh, we can all get along absolutely uh, more people doing things outside and, and not watching tv or staring at a smartphone is uh, always a good thing for our society absolutely well, Joe, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. This was uh, very informative, and I think everyone is really going to enjoy this. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm happy to be on any time, and good luck to your podcast. And that'll do it for another episode. I want to thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, I really want to thank Joe Neville for coming on and discussing the concerns of the Keystone Trails Association. Super nice guy. And as we discussed towards the end of the episode, really feel like hunters and hikers uh, have a, a deep-rooted common ground 
uh, with their love for the outdoors and, and just wanting to be outside. And for the most part, trying to give back and, and make the outdoors better than, you know, how we found them. So here's hoping that as Sunday hunting gets installed uh, in Pennsylvania, that we're able to uh, work together and come to some agreement and, you know, be civil with each other, which really don't think is going to be a big issue except for the few bad apples uh, and, and, you know, sort of fringe uh, interactions here and there. I also want to let you know that we did ask the Farm Bureau. Uh, Pennsylvania Farm Bureau is a big opposition to this bill, so we did ask them to come on. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't make that interview happen uh, in the time frame that, that was allotted for us, but uh, they did send us a statement that uh, I'm just going to share with you just so that uh, even if you uh, haven't, even if you already know uh, the Farm Bureau's uh, sort of position on this this way, uh, you can just sort of see what they were wanting to tell, tell us. Uh, I quote here, uh, Farm Bureau is a policy-driven organization. Our policy still calls for the status quo on Sunday hunting, meaning we are not seeking any expansion to existing Sunday hunting laws. Our members did, however, approve a policy last November by which Farm Bureau would take a neutral position. The amended bill made strides towards addressing a couple of provisions included in that policy, but the amended language to SB 147 did not go far enough for Farm Bureau to take a neutral position, end quote. So there you go. Farm Bureau still could possibly take a neutral position. Um, it's been amended to, to make it a little bit closer, but uh, as Senator Lachlan talked about last week, Basically, they want written permission to be able to access private property that is not owned by you as a hunter, which as a landowner or hunter, I'm okay with that. I already go about that uh, whenever I find properties to hunt down around my house. So um, I'm okay with that. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay wild. Mm -hmm.